0: Because as you're sitting here, you can smell, you know, the, the aroma of the food, and I'm not going to lie, you know, I haven't ate yet today, my mouth was kind of watering, and I was just sitting there singing those songs, and so, no, this morning, we are so blessed to be here amongst the brethren to, to worship God in spirit and truth, amen. And as we, as we offer up our songs of praise to the Lord, as we offer up our worship to the Lord here this day, it's always an honor and a blessing each and every time that we have this uh, opportunity, every Lord's Day, to come together. And that's why we have to encourage one another. If you know there's a brother or sister that hasn't been here for a minute, encourage them to come back, to, to come back amongst the brotherhood, come back and, and, and receive the encouragement, the fellowship that can only happen uh, if you're amongst the body. Brethren, if you're here this day and... Uh, and you were at Bible study this morning, if there's any questions that you have, please let me know how we can answer those questions, any thoughts, comments, concerns. Uh, I say it all the time. If you ever have questions on any topic of scripture, I love studying the Bible, and I'll sit down with you, and we'll study it, and we'll study it through until you you have uh, a complete and full understanding. If there's any visitors that are with us here today, and you're visiting, we thank you. You're our honored guest, and the same thing goes to you. If there's something that we do within our worship service that may be different than maybe what you're used to, Let us know. Let us have the opportunity to to answer your questions and to let you you know why we do what we do here. If you notice on the screen behind me, it says, what will it take? And I want you to think about that in the terms of, what will it take to climb Faith Mountain? Have you ever heard somebody say that before? What will it take to climb Faith Mountain? Well, you're going to understand that as I start to open up with a little brief illustration here. The date was May 29, 1953. And May 29, 1953, that was when Mount Everest was conquered by Sir Edmund Hillary. It's an amazing feat that made mankind collectively stand up and take notice. It had been tried by so many before, and like so many that had came before him, many of them died in that pursuit to climb Mount Everest. And as, it, as that was tempted so many times before, we understand that uh, in nearly 100 years after Everest had been discovered, it was Sir George, uh, Sir George, by Sir George Everest that summit had finally been reached. And the, na- the man's name was Sir Edmund Hillary. And since that time, hundreds have tried. And there have been many successful attempts since that time. But we also know that when those who are trying to climb Mount Everest, one in four die. Think about that. 25% of all individuals who, who desire to climb Mount Everest, even today, they die. Even with all of our high-tech gear and our advanced equipment, 25% of them don't make it. And so you ask the question here this morning, well, what does that have to do with our worship service? Well, it has a lot to do with our worship service. Because you need to ask yourself, what type of mindset would it have taken for him to... Uh, to conquer Mount Everest. What must must have he had done to survive that attempt? How did uh, Sir uh, Edmund Hillary defy the odds and, and survive one of God's most awesome and yet most fearsome and dangerous creations that he ever made? As God's children, brothers and sisters, how will we survive the highest ascent of mankind? You see, brethren, we have a climb ahead of us. And that climb is our faith. And to to understand how we have to achieve the highest ascent that mankind could ever achieve, we need to make sure that we do some things that Sir Edmund Hillary had done. Knowing the fact that 25% of all individuals who are going to attempt uh, this climb, I want you to think about what scripture has to say. Is there danger for us as individuals as we ascend to the highest uh, peak that we could ever get to? Notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14. What does he say? For the gate is small, the narrow is way that leads to life. But what does he say? There are few who attain it. Brethren, there will be more who die than those who achieve eternal life. So 25% of the climbers that try to attempt to climb Mount Everest, even with modern gear, die, but 75% succeed. But we know that when you look at the scriptures, there are going to be more who die spiritually than there are those who live on eternally with Christ Jesus. Brethren, it's easy to survive flat lands and sunny days and when things are going good. But what about the mountains of life? What about the storms of life that we have to climb? Notice what Jesus had to say in John chapter 17 and verse 14. He said the world will hate his disciples because we are not of his world. And we are, we are different. We are called to heaven. Notice what the Apostle Paul had to say to the people of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8-10. through We are hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. He says we're perplexed, meaning we're troubled, but we're not in despair. He says we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. He tells us that we're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Listen to what Peter had to say. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. You listen to what the scriptures tell us here this morning. And so I simply ask the question here this morning, what will it take to make the ultimate ascent up Faith Mountain? What will it take to attain the ultimate ascent that mankind can achieve? Brethren, it's going to take preparation. You know, have, uh, you think about that, that, that phrase, uh, measure twice, cut once. Have you ever? you, You know, I like woodworking, right? I know Patrick likes woodworking. I know a few others in here like woodworking. But if you like woodworking, right? Measure twice, cut once, makes a lot of makes a lot of sense to you. Because I could tell you, I measured once and had to cut two, three times because I messed it up. So measure twice, cut once is talking about being prepared and it's talking about preparation. And when it comes to difficult tasks, we must prepare. Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 7 that narrow is the way. Why? Because it's going to be difficult and there are going to be few who find it. And so we have to be prepared to to climb our mountain. We have to be prepared uh, to to survive the world where sin and idolatry and every form of sin is literally raging around us. And if you want to be uh, great at something, We know that if you ever want to attain greatness in something, you have to do what? You have to train. You have to practice. You have to be disciplined. And when I think about uh, Sir uh, Edmund Hillary, I think about the idea that it took years of preparation. It took years of of, of accumulating resources, uh, of of climbing smaller hills, climbing smaller mountains. Do you know before he scaled Mount Everest at over 28,000 feet? he had reached 11 other peaks of over about 20,000 feet. But he didn't start out with the 28,000. He started with the smaller hills. He started with the smaller mountains, eventually working his way up through training and through discipline and through accumulating resources and knowledge and failure and success. He accumulated all that and used all of that information to climb the highest ascent that man could climb in an earthly sense. But What is it going to take as Christians for us to ascend to the highest height that we can achieve? What is it going to take for us to attain heaven? Brethren, as God's children, if we are going to survive this world, we have to prepare. We must prepare. It is also going to require having the right tools. You can't climb Mount Everest or any other mountain unless you have the right tools. Amen? And so, have you ever uh, heard that saying, you need the right tool for the right job? Well, trust me, if you try doing a job in woodworking with the wrong tool, sometimes you can make a mess of it and make it work, but it don't look pretty all the time. And so having the right tool is so very critical, so very important. Well, as Christians, we know that we have to have a spiritual toolbox. <coughs> I've done Bible studies and lessons on, uh, on, on our spiritual toolbox. What do we need to have within our spiritual toolbox? What, why is it so necessary to make sure you have a spiritual toolbox? Brethren, we have it because when the storms of life happen, when we're trying to do the difficult things of life, we need to make sure that we have the right tools. And our first and our main tool that we know that every Christian must have is the Holy Bible. To be successful in our faith, you must know how to use the Holy Bible. You must know how to use the tools that are in your spiritual toolbox. Because as Christians, God has given us a purpose. You can't fulfill your purpose without the right tools. And it's understanding those, it's having a deep understanding of those tools. Brethren, have you ever noticed when you buy a tool, there's always a warning label? Why do you think there's a warning label? Well, because there's some people out there that ain't very bright. Have you ever noticed that warning labels are getting longer and longer? And you think to yourself, have you ever read a warning label? And you read it and you say, why in the world do they have to put that on there? I mean, you would think that's common sense. Well, if you've been around some people, some common sense isn't so common. And so they have to put warning labels on things. Well, I'm here to tell you, brethren, that you can't achieve the ascent of heaven without a deep understanding of your most important tool. And you have to make sure you read the warning label. The warning label like Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23, that tells us that narrow is the way. That tells us that it's going to be difficult. That tells us that, that there are going to be more that don't make it than those that make it. So you might want to pay attention. You might want to ask yourself, what do I need to do to prepare myself for heaven? What do I need to do to attain, uh, to, to, to ascend Mount Faith? And that's something that we need to consider here this, this morning, brethren. You have to write the law of God on your heart. You have to to allow the the word of God to mold you and to shape you like we learn about in Ephesians chapter 4, like we learn about in Romans chapter 12 and other places. How can we ever expect to fight off temptation? How can we ever expect to fight off sin if we don't even have the right tools, if we don't have the right understanding, if we're not allowing the word of God to transform us from uh, conforming to the world versus conforming to God through his spirit-led word? Brethren, we all need guidance in this life, amen? We all need direction in our lives. And Peter tells us in his epistle that God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He has done that through his word, which leads us through the spiritual battle that is raging on around us. You know, I think there's a lot of times, I don't think enough of us really believe or maybe just don't really consider the fact that we're in a spiritual war. There is a spiritual war raging all around us, and we have to be prepared. And that is why we learn in Ephesians chapter 6 that we have to put on the the full armor of God. And when you put on the full armor of God, you're able to deflect the attacks of the evil one. You're able to stand up strong. Have you ever seen those bumper stickers that says, Jesus is my co-pilot? Brethren, if Jesus is your co-pilot, you might want to change seats. I'm telling you this right now because in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6, it tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with all your understanding, leaning not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Brothers and sisters, it says, lean not on your own understanding. There's a reason why you shouldn't be the pilot and Jesus the co-pilot. Because there's ways that seem right unto man, and in the end they lead to death. And we know that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they know and they have what is best for us. They know what is good for us. They know what is best for us. How often have you looked at God, and maybe you've, you've thought this or maybe you've said it, you know, God, I got this. Things are going good in life right now. You know, I don't really need you right now, so just relax. But hey, when I need you, when things get a little difficult, I'll holler. You may have not literally uttered those words, but how many times have your thoughts or your actions portrayed that sentiment? How many times have your thoughts or your actions portrayed the sentiment that, hey, I got this, I'm good. But yet, all of a sudden, things start to go bad, and now you start to look to God. You see, brethren, we have to make sure that we have God as our pilot. God needs to be on the throne of our very lives because he understands what we need. He understands what this journey is going to take, and he gives us the tools necessary to defeat the evil one. He gives us the tools necessary to climb Faith Mountain, to make sure that we achieve the highest ascent, heaven, that mankind can achieve. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16. God knew that someone, or I'm sorry, therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in the time of need. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to be survivors of this world, we have to quit telling God what to do, how to do it, and why. And we have to be willing to submit to his will. We have to be willing to get in line. We have to be willing to understand. And that, and we need need to pray to God. We need to say, God, you are my God. We need to say, I am your servant. Lead me, guide me, direct my path. For you and you alone know what is best for me. If you can pray that prayer when you pray, it's letting God know that I am going to fully submit Fully prostrate myself in all areas of my life and lean lean on you to guide me and to protect me. Brothers and sisters, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have a clear purpose. We must understand that purpose and make sure that we're living our lives in such a manner as to live out that purpose. Our purpose starts with the Great Commission to go and make disciples of Jesus Christ, teaching them to obey all that he has commanded of us. And as we help to teach others, there's different ways that you can do it. You know, we talked about it and how we could use our talents and our resources and our time in other lessons, but there are people in congregations who do correspondence courses, who take the time to, 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 to order them, to mail them out, to grade them, to send them back. There are people who take time and uh, to work in various ministries, uh, around the congregation, help out and help serve other missionaries in other parts of the world, like Brother John, who is with us today, and it's just it's so, it's such a pleasure to have you with us today, John. I know you are sorely missed when you're not here, but we think about all the ways that we could uh, use our talents, our resources, all the ways that we could prepare, all the ways that we could use the tools at our disposal for God's benefit. And as we think about that, brethren, we're going to need to do that if we ever wish to survive the spiritual war that is raging on all around us. And instead of uh, of worrying about everything, do all that you can and lay the rest before the throne of God. Lay your petitions before God. uh, Request his help. But don't deny the providential care that God is going to send when you ask. If you are faithful and true to God, his providential care will work in your life. But his providential care isn't like the first century miracles that had happened. He works, through, he works with you through other individuals. So if God sends somebody your way because you're praying for a certain thing and somebody comes your way to help you with something, don't say, oh, it's okay, I got it because my pride and my ego get in the way. Allow the individual to help you because that is, that's the individual that God probably had sent in order for you to receive some type of help. That's how the providential uh, care of God works. And I can't tell you how many times as a a minister, and you can talk to the elders, how church members or Christians have turned down resources or help from other Christians because they say, well, I've been praying, God's got this. Well, how do you think God works in our lives today? He works works through us uh, by sending others to help fulfill his will in your life and to provide maybe a need for you. So, brethren, we understand that as we look at the scriptures here this morning, we understand that that purpose, we, we must understand our purpose and understand how God fulfills that purpose. Brothers and sisters, in a world that is turning away from God more and more every day, we must be more dedicated to the cause of Christ. So ask yourself, what does it take for us to be survivors as we ascend Faith Mountain? The Apostle Paul, he told the people of, uh, of Colossus, He wrote in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, he says, Whatever you do, do your work enthusiastically as for the Lord rather than for men. Well, what is Paul telling us in Colossians chapter 3? He's telling us to stop worrying what other people are going to think. Instead, fear what God will do in the end if you hear the words, Depart from me, for I never have knew you. He's saying that whatever you're going to choose to do, make sure that God is part of that. And make sure that you're doing your work as if you're working for God and not for man. And so then that you'll give your best to any and all pursuits of life, knowing that God sits on the throne of your life, knowing that you are to work enthusiastically and allow the Lord to work in and through you. Brothers and sisters, instead of fear, we need to make sure that we trust in the Lord. It's, it's nice to have a good, healthy fear, but your fear must be accompanied by trust and knowing that God has has your best in mind. Above everything else, brethren, that we do in this life, there must be a driving force that we are doing it for God. Everything in this life, there must be the driving force that we are doing it for God and not for men. And if you have that mindset, you'll always be pleasing to the Lord. Ask yourself for a second, as a member of the Lord's Church, ask yourself, what is it going to take to collectively ascend Faith Mountain? Well, it's going to take every elder to meditate and to pray as they guide, protect, and provide spiritual nourishment for every member of the flock. It's going to take deacons who are going to serve the direction of the elders Uh, in in whatever area that they have been appointed to serve within the congregation. And the deacons are the right hand of of the eldership in both the physical and spiritual works of the Lord and of the congregation. It's going to take preachers who stand up for the truth, who preach without favor and without compromise. It's going to take a preacher that must promote the way of the cross planting the seeds of God into the hearts and minds of those who hear him, and trusting that God will give the increase. It's going to take every Bible school teacher to remember the tremendous responsibility that they have in shaping the minds and the hearts of those who are sitting before them. It's going to take every man and every woman to use their talents as they serve the congregation, and as they serve in the ministries that they serve. It's going to take every young person to fortify themselves against the attacks and against the peer pressures of this world by growing in grace and knowledge, by growing in spirit and truth, it's going to take them being willing to stand up for God no matter the cause, no matter the situation, no matter what others say. Brethren, it's going to take every member to be an example of godliness. It's going to take every member to be an example of love so that others may be taught and that others may be converted to the truth through Jesus Christ. You see, brethren, the borders of the kingdom are only going to increase when we show real concern for the souls of others. This congregation will grow and grow uh, 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 without, without number. It'll continue to grow and to flourish if each and every one of us are willing to do our part. You see, because we all have gifts, we all have talents that the Lord has given us, and if you, if you use your talents and you put God first in your life and you're willing to do whatever it takes, not only if you're in the workplace, do your work hardly as for the Lord. Meaning that do your work, focus on what you need to do, but try to find a situation where you can plant a seed of Scripture. Live by your example and your influence. Influence your co-workers by the love of Christ that they could see in and through you. Allow your influence to be what helps others to, to see the gospel that is only in you. Some people may never read the Bible, we heard this before, but they'll read the Bible, they'll read the gospel by reading you, by, uh, by evaluating your life. And so, brethren, how are we going to attain Faith Mountain? How are we going to ascend to the highest peak, the highest ascent that we can as mankind, and that is heaven? It is being prepared and having the right tools, trusting in the Lord, and making sure that we're being disciplined and that we're being trained and that we're doing everything that we can to make sure that we fulfill the purposes of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if you're hearing this message today, you're hearing this message today and you need help you want the prayers of the congregation, brethren, you could come forward and ask for help, ask for prayers. I know the elders, myself, will pray with you, will help you. But if you're here today and you don't have as good of a relationship with God as you want, maybe you don't understand the scriptures as deeply and, and as thoroughly as you want, myself, the elders, and many other men and women in this congregation have the ability to sit down with you and to take our time to evaluate the truth and to help you to have a deeper, uh, deeper faith to help you attain Faith Mountain. But maybe you're struggling with something in particular in life. Brethren, I'm here to tell you, if you're being tempted in some way, there's probably somebody in this congregation who's been tempted in some way that is similar, that can help you to deal with that storm, help you to deal with that problem or that temptation, help you to deal with the trials of life. But you need to ask. See, none of us are mind readers. You have to allow us to be able to help you. If you don't allow people to help you, how can God's providential care work in your life? And if you're not sure what providential care is, get with me. I'll study it with you so you can have a deeper, fuller understanding. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, but your desire is to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, come forward as we stand and sing the Song of Invitation.
1: Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are we but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. THE BIBLE TELLS ME SO. JESUS LOVES ME, HE WHO DIED. HEAVEN'S GATE TO OPEN WIDE. HE WILL WASH AWAY MY SIN. LET HIS LITTLE CHILD COME IN. YES, JESUS LOVES ME. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me. some of this food up that we not take all of it home again and we will uh, I know the prayer and our prayer you remember bless the food and if you have a comment please come up.
0: someone has left the phone here I think it was Wednesday or last week it's pink I'm assuming it's a female (laughs) but if it is yours come and see me I'll have it
1: let us pray Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the lesson that you sold David to prick our minds and hearts with, the uh, reach out to our family and friends, to bring them back to us and climb that mountain of faith. Let's bless the food that we're all about to receive this afternoon. Thank you for bringing us all near and far together again. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.